past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad that you're here today. And today we are going to be talking with Cassie Hatcher, who is an expert in military transition. And Cassie, we're so glad to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. So glad to be here, Marie. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, and you put in your information that you sent to me that 200,000 military service members separate from the military every year. That's way more than I would have imagined. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's, you know, between the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, and a small amount of Coast Guard, there's a lot of people separating every year, whether that's... um, you know, at their four-year mark, a lot are going pushing to 20 years plus. So that's kind of the primary area where I work in is with the senior enlisted and officers. All right. So after 20 years, these individuals come and they say, I want to transition. And um, how do I translate my military experience into, you know, something that civilians will understand? So what, where do we start? How do you help people get started? So you want to carefully consider what transferable skills that you have compared to the type of job you're applying for. There are so many military occupational specialties. They call them MOSs. In the Army alone, there are 190 different MOSs or occupational specialties just for enlisted soldiers. So a few things, uh, you know, of those MOSs are transferable and others really aren't, like artillery or infantry, you know, unless you're going into defense contracting, it's likely that it's not going to be directly transferable. Um, one thing that those who have been in for 20 years almost guaranteed they're going to have a lot of leadership experience, a lot more than most civilians. So it's really um, for those that are separating that are a little anxious and feel like they've never done anything but Army or Air Force work, um, they do have an advantage over civilians in that leadership arena. So a lot of my clients are targeting either operations or logistics management positions. And where I see them struggle is in translating their their title. So I work with a lot of battalion commanders or brigade commanders, and no one really knows what that means. I, I'm assuming, you know, most civilians do not know what that means unless they have military experience. Even I've found a lot of people from the, Ar- from the Air Force do not know Army you know, lingo and vice versa. So even if you think, oh, well, well, this individual is former military, they're going to know what I'm talking about. That is no guarantee. So let me give you just some examples. For example, a battalion commander might be considered an operations director or an executive leader or a senior personnel and program manager. And then a brigade commander, which is a little bit higher, a brigade is composed of three to six battalions, might be considered an executive director or a VP of operations. And then I reserve 
the term CEO for someone who's a general or above. So that's, those are some of the things that you definitely want to make sure, you know, you translate your titles right off the bat. The other thing is you want to make sure you translate acronyms. And I know this is common practice in resume writing that we're going to write out acronyms whenever possible, but especially when it comes to military experience, you don't want to say, I attended AIT. You want to say, I attended advanced individual training. And that's both for our human being purposes and for ATS purposes. So those are kind of the top things I would look for is acronyms and titles and making sure that they are translatable to the civilian world. Yeah, and the titles can be tricky because people will say, oh, you know, how will they check or what will they do? But in the military, there are some standards of, of translation that no one's going to, you know, they're not going to get in trouble for translating these titles. Am I correct? Exactly. Yeah, because it, it's not going to be a direct translation. So a lot of people will go ahead and write in that they were a master sergeant or a first sergeant in parentheses. Oftentimes I will do that just in case, you know, and, and to make them feel more comfortable. But you absolutely want to make sure that, you know, a civilian's not going to know that a master sergeant is an E9. That's the highest enlisted rank that you can reach, um, or chief master sergeant, actually, excuse me, is the, the highest that you can reach. But you could absolutely put both just to feel comfortable yourself and also to make it translatable. Yeah, and do they have some um, lead way? I mean, we're always careful with titles and making sure that we're truthful. But if my client was in charge of, you know, logistics, moving equipment, that's, for some reason, I have a handful of military folks that have been in charge of moving equipment out of foreign countries. So we would put, you know, logistics manager um, so that it would show the specific type of leadership that they were doing and and make it as specific as we could to both the job that they were doing and the job that they were targeting. Absolutely. Yep, that's a good strategic direction to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a perfect way to do it. And if someone's having trouble kind of figuring out what they want to transition into, how do you help them figure out what direction might be the best fit? There are a lot of resources out there. A few um, right off the top of my head are like military.com. Um, you can search. Uh, they have a military skills translator as well as ONET, um, where you put in your MOS, and then it will give you a list of positions that would be similar in the civilian world. Um, so that is, again, military.com and then ONET was a good place to start. Um, luckily, a lot of the clients that I work with, they really have a pretty good vision of what they want to do after 20 years. Um, some of them know that they really like the government and they want to you know, stay and, and head for a federal position. Some have worked with government contractors and know that they want to go that direction. And a lot of the clients I work with are absolutely done with all things federal and military. And they're looking to, to go with a more agile, you know, civilian company. So, um, you know, if, if you have absolutely no idea, start at those resources. And then um, 
again, a lot of the clients that I work at, with after 20 years, they have a pretty good idea of what they want to do. Yeah, and we covered federal job search last two weeks ago, I think, with Robin Schlinger, and those resumes are, are very different. So you and I today are going to be talking more about transitioning into the civilian world, and are there any other resources that you would point people to and then we're going to dive in a little bit to other ways that they can translate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, there are a couple of free resources out there. One of them I worked with for over a year, which is Hire Heroes USA is a veteran nonprofit organization and they will write your resume for free. Um, So I would connect with them as well as Wounded Warriors now, the, the biggest thing that I see, because I do go to job fairs and I'll do free resume reviews, primarily for military clients that have security clearances, and I see the same resume probably 55 to 60% of the time because they're using those resources, which are great. I support them, but if you're looking to stand out, you don't want to have the same resume as 50% or more of candidates. So that's when, especially if you are, you know, targeting a, a job that's $50,000 a year or more, you know, investing that small amount in a resume writer is pretty critical. Yeah, because this translation, it's just very similar to when someone's changing careers, right? When you're making that transition, connecting the dots is so important And as you were talking about, you know, those transferable skills, but we really have to translate them and and share the accomplishments that match that new job. And those transitions are are just more challenging. So getting some help from the free resources and then uh, stepping it up if people need to, to be able to connect the dots. So that was Hire Heroes USA. Okay. And because there's hiring our heroes, there's a lot of different hire heroes programs, but that's the one that I would recommend as well as the Wounded Warriors program. Okay. Also a nonprofit. Excellent. So when people sit down to write their resume, what are some of the things that they should do before they get started here? That's a really good question. Uh, The first thing I would do is actually pull up your performance reports as well as any uh, recommendations for awards because they are actually very quantifiable. So I would pull out your highlighter and start by just any dollar amount, number, you know, percentage that you see, start there and start highlighting things because most military have a really high dollar value of property assets and equipment that they've managed. They might have some large um, budgets that they've managed, you know, program management. Usually they have a large number of personnel that they've managed at the same time. So those are all three things that I would have in the top third of your resume every single time. And don't sell yourself short as well, because especially I've noticed my female clients, you know, I, I will ask them, okay, so what, what budgets have you managed? What was the dollar amount? What was the dollar amount of assets? And sometimes that will be on their performance reports, but sometimes it won't. And I had one particular client that I'm just asking over and over, and, and she just said, I don't, I don't have anything. I didn't manage anything. Oh, but I did manage, you know, the people who are responsible for that, those assets and equipment. <laughs> I'm like, well, that, 
that counts. <laughs> you manage the people who are responsible for it. So just, again, don't sell yourself short as far as what your responsibilities were. Okay, good. And as we talked about before, really having that focus first so you can think about which things really connect with what the future hiring manager will want to know. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will delve into more tips for how you can transition your military experience into the civilian world. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are talking with Cassie Hatcher, about transitioning from military into civilian. So Cassie, we've been talking a little bit about some resources and getting started and maybe some ways to figure out your focus and then get started on that resume. But people might be wondering, you know, am I prepared? Do I have skills that can transfer into a civilian job? So what would you say to them? Um, So there there are some programs out there. You're required to go through a transition program that the each branch of the service has their own different transition program. So they do try to help you um, with those transition classes. But unfortunately, they aren't updated very regularly. And even before the pandemic hit, I had a lot of negative feedback from 
clients who had gone through the program and still felt really lost. And now that classes are being held almost exclusively online, it's become even worse because there's not an actual human being to connect with, to assist with their resume. So um, that's where I have a lot of people reaching out to me feeling a little bit overwhelmed, unsure of kind of the next steps. So there are a lot of resources out there. You know, transition classes is a start, but that's all it is. It's a start. I would definitely pursue other organizations as well as other individuals. Obviously, I'm a huge proponent of hiring a professional resume writer. I just feel like it's invaluable and it, it really takes the time off of your transitional leave and it makes it a lot smoother of a process. So using those nonprofit veteran service organizations and also using LinkedIn a lot. Um, there are some great groups out there. Um, there are veteran transition groups. Um, one off the top of my head, I just can't think of Vet- Veteran Mentors Network on LinkedIn. That's a great one where you can start to build your network, um, you know, start to ask the questions that you, your, kind of your burning questions and find out, you know, what other people's experiences have been, especially recently. And then, you know, just working on that network. And it's, Never too early to start doing that. You can absolutely, you know, start building your resume, your LinkedIn profile. I've had clients up to two years out that want, you know, are that anxious that they really want to just have those documents ready, have their network ready so that when the time comes, they have a nice smooth transition. Does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. So there's services available and of course, thinking ahead is always nice. <laughs> always nice when we can do that and make sure that they're engaged in their transition class that they get from their organization. And I know that with a lot of that going virtual, uh, there has been perhaps some innovation there as things were going virtual. So to make sure that they check that out and take advantage of, of that resource and then be ready to um get the services that they can get to, to move beyond that. Um, exactly. So this is often a challenging thing, right? Because we, there are infinite opportunities, but are there specific companies that people are finding value the military experience? Absolutely. Um, just in the, especially over the last, you know, six months or so, a lot of my clients have been hired at Amazon they highly value that military leadership experience. Typically, they're going, they're hiring for operations and area manager positions. Um, and I just recently got an email from a lieutenant colonel that said that he saw an operations manager position. 24 hours later, they had scheduled a phone interview. Um, and it's a very fast, within a week, he had been hired. So because Amazon's obviously growing so fast, you know, the fastest growing company in the world right now, they they are a big hire. Uh, the other ones, um, Verizon's a big one. They're the number one military-friendly company three years in a row. Booz Allen Hamilton, um, Dell, Beatles, Deloitte. There's, there's quite a few. Um, and I would recommend going to military.com slash veterans dash employers, and they have a big list of military-friendly employers. Oh, can you say that one again? 
It is military.com slash veteran dash employers. Okay. Veteran with no S, just veteran dash of employers. Yep. Veteran, no S, employers, S. Excellent. Okay. So people are... This, and this was maybe, I don't know, I feel like it was a year or 18 months ago, there was a large push for employers to get on the list of being veteran-friendly. And um, so that was a good thing, right? It, it spurred some companies into action and, and rethinking about how they connect. For me, and mm-hmm. maybe this is erroneous thinking, so help, you know, help me out here. I went to talk to a Department of Labor, and we were brainstorming. And I was trying to get them to brainstorm some of the stereotypes that people have against military because they were very positive and, and you know, companies love veterans and there's, you know, they, they love that and they want to hire it. And yet we know that there are also some negative stereotypes too. How do you help your clients avoid playing into those negative stereotypes? That is a really good question. And I think it has a lot to do with how you express yourself. Um, You know, I'm very careful to use the words like terrorism or terrorist or weapons or munitions. Um, For example, I had a client just the other day who sent me his resume and it was, you know, 10 KIAs on an AFRICOM mission and KIAs is, you know, that they killed someone essentially on that mission. And civilians, that's not something that they're going to understand. That's not something translatable. So you want to kind of beware of using terminology like that, terrorism, weapons, um, KIAs, things like that. Um, And just make sure to focus on, uh, you know, instead of saying 10 KIAs on an African mission, you can say you protected local citizens and U.S. personnel while conducting U.S. U.S. military operations across Africa and that you helped establish stability. So focus on the positives and you know, that's, again, a common thing in resume writing. We're not going to, you know, focus on the negative. So same with, with military um, service members. You want to make sure to tweak that just a little bit to focus on the positive. Yeah, that's, yeah, focus on the positives and also focus on what is translatable into the other world, right? And this is one of the things, I can't remember the data, but it was, you know, military service is not as pervasive as it used to be. So most people don't know someone directly who served in the military. They're not familiar with all of the lingo. And even if they, you know, had a cousin or, a, you know, aunt or uncle, people don't know the lingo. And so as you were saying earlier, we have to be careful with those, with using acronyms and and even in the awards I'll tell people you know what was that award for because listing that you got you know some kind of star really doesn't mean that much to someone in the civilian world mm-hmm. yeah that's a very good point and I just think it's almost impossible to express that on a resume you know things like I had a client that's done survival evasion training, which is a very intense, more intense than I knew than I knew until I talked to him about, you know, you start at point A with your team and they're going to give you bits and pieces of information and you're trying to get to point B and, you know, during your 
your journey there. They're trying to pick off the weak people. They're trying to pull information from you. And sometimes it's physical. So, you know, it's, it truly is a kind of a brutal process, but, um, you can't express that on a resume and you don't want to. Now, if you're in an interview and you want to say, I am really great under pressure, let me give you an example of when I did survival evasion training and they had taken nine out of 10 of us, you know, and I had to be the one to, you know, step forward and get, get to get my information to the finish line or I, something along those lines where you can, you can tell that story to a person but it's really, really hard to do that on a resume. So I would just steer clear. Yeah, and if they did get some kind of award that they can speak to, it just was always a case-by-case basis with me. Again, maybe I'm thinking wrong here, but some people would say, you know, I have all these awards, and I said, well, tell me about them. And if we really couldn't communicate it in a way that the person on the other side was going to understand we might put those awards down at the bottom depending on their format or their employer who they're targeting. And sometimes I just say, you know, for this position, that just doesn't seem to make sense to include all of them. So we might include a few or I don't know. How do you help people decide what stays and what goes? That's a good question. And it is situational. I lean towards including those major awards. If someone has a Purple Heart or a Bronze Star that at least it, it triggers something in someone's mind that that's a, you know, that that's a big deal. But it's always with any of those awards, the Legion of Merit, those are kind of the big ones. There's going to be a recommendation write-up that expresses why you received that award. And if you're not able to take a piece of that information and put it into, you know, receive the Bronze Star Award for, um, you know, excellent operational capacities across, you know, you know, maintaining a $6.5 million budget or accounting for, you know, 19,000 pieces of critical equipment without, with zero losses. You know, if you can talk about that and attach that to one of your awards, then that's really the ideal way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Including them is good and, and being, clear about more about more more there is even better it sounds like mm-hmm. exactly is there anything else that um, people should leave out when they're writing their resume or answering questions in an interview um, I would just be careful when someone says you know so what did you do in the military and if you say I was an air and missile defense that's and you're going, let's say, for an operations manager position at Amazon, that's not translatable. Um, So you could say something more like, I was a highly trained specialist working in a fast-paced, you know, global operations. That way, they're hearing highly trained, works well under pressure, has global operational experience instead of just, I was in air and missile defense. So, that's one point. Um, another is, you know, for example, um, if you manage a team of soldiers, um, gathering information on terrorist documents um, to enable forces against the Islamic State. <laughs> that, that's literally a line straight from a resume that I just did. You know, you can say developed and managed global enterprise by collecting key information in order to protect U.S. interests. So, 
again, just th- those translations are going to come throughout, both when you're writing a resume um, and in an interview, certainly. So just think about, you know, what your best fat, what your unique selling point is, and, and who you served, and that will usually come out in a pretty strong bullet point or response in an interview. Well, that's so helpful, Cassie. So how can people get a hold of you, follow you if they want some more help? Um, LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me, linkedin.com slash Cassie Hatcher. Um, I also, I'm surprised I didn't mention this earlier, but I am the founder and board president of a nonprofit military service organization. It's called militarytocivilioncareer.com. And we have a practical guide up there as well as a full academy um, to help people with. And whenever you go through that course, you will also get a free resume review with me. So those are the two best places to find me, LinkedIn and militarytocivilioncareer.com. Militarytocivilioncareer.com. Thank you so much, Cassie. We are so glad that you came by and shared that information with us. And if you are listening in, you know that we'll say goodbye to Cassie, but we'll come back and share some more information in just a few minutes. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Cassie Hatcher about translating military experience into another position. And this is a common challenge when people are transitioning any industry. So 
uh, I'll often tell my resume writers after they do the project where they choose someone from the military to treat it like you would any other industry transition. We can tend to think, oh, they're military, so it's important. It's you know, it's impressive to certain people, or people really value that. And even if that's true, it doesn't say, hey, I'm a great fit for your job, right? It says, hey, I'm military versus, hey, I can come in and work in your logistics company. So we want to be thoughtful about balancing the value and the importance of it with the fact that it just doesn't connect to the person who is reading the resume or listening to the story as an interview if the person isn't translating into civilian language and isn't thinking about that transition and that translation, it isn't that they don't value the military. It's simply that they're not hiring someone to work in a military organization, right? They're hiring someone to work in their business and they want to hear how that person can step into the business and do that job tomorrow. And if they can't talk that language, if they seem like all they've ever done is military, which may be true, it's harder to see how they can fit into our company, our role. So it's not about value or lack of value. Some of it's about knowledge. As I said, a lot of people don't have a very in-depth knowledge about the military or what they see of it is you know, on the news, which could be good or bad, depending on, on their life experience. And they just don't know. They ha- they don't have that knowledge base. And we want them to feel like our client, or you, if you're the job seeker listening to this, we want them to feel like you could step in and do that job and not have a, a huge learning curve. And to do that, we have to translate into that future language. And as Cassie was saying, this starts with the job title, and we can use some of the translators to see what our job titles might be called in the civilian world. You can use the parentheses with your official title if you want to, but at this point, most of the military transition work has been done for you, (laughs) and you can really translate your title without worrying about it too much. So if you were managing logistics for a company, go ahead and put logistics manager for a company, for an organization, a a battalion, whatever it was, go ahead and put that as your title instead of the military lingo. And how can you help people see what you've done and connect directly to the fact that you've been in that role? That's what they want to see, right? They want to see that you've been in that role and they need to be able to see it quickly without digging and and reading a whole bunch because we know that they don't have that much time to read beyond the fact that, of course, you might go through an applicant tracking system. We're we're thinking that the human is going to look at it because most of the HR people I talk to say that the humans look at things, but they are also in a hurry and they need us to hit them over the head with it, be really clear and specific and do that translation for them. So that's part of our job when we're writing a resume, when we're creating a story for the interview, that we've done that translation. Now, Cassie and I didn't spend too much time on this, but a little bit, that the first step is really figuring out what types of jobs are you targeting? Because how you'll translate your titles and what stories you'll tell 
and and what you're going to write in your resume is all dependent on having that focus ahead of time. And, you know, you have that great experience you can translate into a lot of different fields, but knowing where you're going will tell us what map we're going to use to get there, how we're going to communicate your experience, and what, what types of words we're going to use to make sure we connect to that future hiring manager. And if you're feeling a little bit unfocused or you're, you're looking for that connection, start there because it will be so much easier to write your resume and to think about preparing your stories when you have that focus in mind. And you can choose you know, a few different focus areas, but if you haven't made that connection and, and connected the dots, if you will, between what you've been doing and what you want to do, it's going to be more of a challenge. Then, as Cassie said, you can go to ONET or to military.com and, and the, the resources there to translate your job titles into something that will be seen by the civilian. And thinking about in your, your, in your translation, how can you speak to what you've done in the language that the corporate people speak? And if you don't know that speak, it's a great opportunity to get some job descriptions together. You know, they don't even necessarily have to be in your target geography. Target industry is great. Target role, of course. Get those job descriptions together and start seeing what the language is that people are using. And then even better to start having some, you know, conversations. And I like to call them informational interviews because that term brings a whole lot of baggage with it but having some conversations with people who do the type of work that you're looking to do, who are in those fields, who can help you connect the language and help you um, help you connect the language and help you think about what is important to those individuals in those roles in those companies so that you can use the, the best language. And of course, meet some people who work there that might be able to you stand in your stead and, and pass on your information, share great tips, or be that referral for you into the organization. So start talking to people, getting that business lingo, and some of you will be familiar with that already or, or will quickly enjoy getting that those discussions, and some of you may help you figure out what parts of the business, what types of businesses are the most interesting as you're having those conversations and and seeing what people are saying and how that fits with what you want to do. Because as you're thinking about this transition, it just starts with the resume and people say, oh, you know, you don't, you know, whatever they think about a resume, whether it goes into a resume or your LinkedIn profile or whatever it might do, getting those stories down that demonstrate your qualifications for the future position and are communicated in the language of the future position. Those stories are your currency, right? They're your goal to get from where you are to where you want to go. And you're going to use those stories in your resume, in your cover letter, in your LinkedIn profile, and then obviously in your interviewing, in your networking, So you want to have those stories really down 
and translate it so that you've got the military lingo out of it. You've got the interesting factoids that people can grab onto right away. You know, working in the desert where it was 120 degrees or the facts that people can relate to you keep and the facts that people can't relate to or that might trigger negative stereotypes you get rid of like Cassie was saying with the you know mission kills probably not something that we want to have being a connecting point in the civilian world I worked with a gentleman once who's uh, in email address, his email address had the word sniper in it, and he was a nurse. He was applying for nursing positions. Probably not the right philosophy culture fit for the organizations that he would be connecting with. So we want to think about that. We want to think about how we are going to come across both positively and negatively, and don't uh, you, you know, don't be afraid to go to that negative place and really think about what are some of the negative stereotypes and how can I make sure that I'm not playing into those, that I'm communicating in a way that that people can connect to that doesn't, uh, you know, create polarizing views right away through my communications and that I'm researching the organizations that I'm targeting and really understanding their culture as well and how my values connect to their values, what we share, those connecting points that really we can get on the same page about so that I have things to talk about in my interview that are interesting and relatable. That's what everybody wants. It's memorable. And how can we get those stories together? Start with the focus. Start thinking about those opportunities that you've had, the accomplishments, projects, the missions, right? Usually I translate missions into projects because missions doesn't translate into the civilian world. What are those items and stories that you can start gathering and then translating into the language of the future employer? And you've already gone through that. You probably have great write-ups in your your annual reviews and, and all the paperwork that you have, gather it up and start creating a master list of those stories that then you can translate into the future language and be able to share with employers on your resume, in an interview, all of the ways that you're going to be sharing those stories. Then you can get those under your belt and get them translated and really be practicing and thinking about how you can tell them in a language that connects with other people. It's a great way to practice when you're networking or even talking to family and friends to tell those stories in a way that that other people can connect with and that perhaps in a way that you can tell them because we know that you may have classified information. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, go through a short checklist of translating experience from one industry to another. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidants, and today we've been talking about transitioning from military to civilian, but I want to give you a quick list of tips for transitioning industries, regardless of, you know, if it's military to civilian or computer parts to something else, (laughs) computer parts to medical devices, whatever it might be, here's what we need to think about. First, Knowing your target industry is key. Knowing the target role is paramount. If you know the industry as well, then you can really dive into the language that those employers are using. What are the accomplishments that are really important to them? Right? What keeps them up at night? What's going on in the industry? What are the pains? What are the problems? Really good communication comes from an in-depth understanding of your of your customer, of your of your target audience, of your reader. And marketing is what a resume, LinkedIn profile, interviewing, networking conversations, all of those are marketing. It's not always sales, right? We're not talking about sell yourself, but it's a marketing communications, right? You're talking about your value. You're trying to connect to the needs of the person that you're talking to. And when you do that, the more you know about those individuals before you start those conversations, the better. And then, of course, you're going to walk into those conversations early on and have a question, learning, there to gather information approach so that you can keep improving your communications as you go. So identify those industries that you're interested in. Start reading their industry publications. Start reading job descriptions that are from that industry, even if they're not in your target geography, although that would be best. Start figuring out what those companies are really looking for. What's going on in that that industry right now? How is COVID impacting them? Because the more that you know those pains, the easier it will be for you to dive into your background 
and figure out when you solve those problems. So that's your next thing. So you might create a list of this is what they're looking for. These are their pains. These are their challenges. And then, okay, when have I demonstrated that? When have I solved a similar problem? When have I dealt with a similar challenge? And this is where we want to try to get out of where you've been as much as possible and just talk about what you've done in those situations. Because especially if you're staying in a similar role, what you've done will be pretty much the same. It's just going to be in a different language and highlighted a little bit differently and maybe reweighted a little bit to really connect with that new industry language pains challenges, opportunities, etc. So once we've got those examples down and you start to flesh them out, then you start to get together your stories. So challenge, action, result, situation, action, opportunity, result. It doesn't really matter what format you choose. I like challenge, action, result because challenge has a little bit of that intrigue to it. Um, And then you move it into the action and the result. You want to think about your stories that demonstrate the top qualifications and pains of your target audience and flesh out those stories. Challenge, action, result. What was the problem? Why were you doing this? Or what was the opportunity? Why were you doing this? What did you do? And then what was the result? How did you know that that you'd achieved that goal? How did you meet that challenge? How did you take advantage of the opportunity, etc.? Then you're going to go back to those stories and scrub them for language that doesn't fit. So if you are working in the printer industry and you're working on a project to create the HP 192 printer cartridges, your new industry doesn't care. So you want to go in and wipe out as much of that industry language as you can so that you get to the essence of the story. What was really going on? What were your skills that you brought to it? What's the problem that you solved? Because the problem is not specific to the industry or specific to the part number or the project or if you're coming from the military, the mission, right? The the challenge is usually something that we can can translate into the new audience. We can make it relatable. We can talk about the details in a way that, that anyone can understand them. And that's really our goal when we're getting into these stories. Not when you first write it, but when you're going back, you wanna look at it and think, what's the essence here? What was really the problem? What could anyone connect to about this story? And then what actions and did I take that I am going to use in the future? What skills does that demonstrate? Maybe what qualities about me, although you wanna be a little bit careful there. We don't wanna get too fluffy with these stories, or transferable skills, right? We don't want to get too fluffy there. We really want to stay as true as we can to the hard skills that the new job is looking for or soft skills that are demonstrated in a story so that they carry some some weight. That's our goal. Um, so we got, this is what they're looking for. This is when I've done it. Here are my challenge action results stories. Now I'm going to scrub those stories for the industry language And I'm going to practice telling them over and over and over again without the industry language. And people always say, oh, Marie, I don't want to sound rehearsed during an interview. Guess what? You get to the point of not feeling rehearsed by rehearsing a whole bunch, not by never doing it. And this is, you know, the fallacy. People hear a great public speaker and they think, oh, they weren't 
reciting. You know, they were so natural. They were natural because they've done that a million times. They were not natural because they've never done it before and they just threw a bunch of bullet points down and spoke off their bullet points. Very few people are that good. And when you are looking to make a transition, don't depend on that. Practice those stories. You're going to use them in the resume, your LinkedIn profile, your interview, your networking. So get very familiar with them. Get familiar with the new language. Get familiar with leaving out the language that you're used to, which is going to take some time and some practice to not keep that lingo in that that you're used to. And then you want to think about, am I raising red flags? And if so, how might I not do that? thinking about those negative perceptions and making sure you're not playing into them. So sometimes with military, you know, it might be, oh, they can't think for themselves or they're, you know, too rigid. They can't adapt, which we know is false, right? They're out in the middle of nowhere and they have to adapt. So think about stories that maybe even bust those stereotypes, but definitely be sure that we're thinking about them enough to not play into them in our communications manner in the way that we connect and respond and engage. And everybody has biases and stereotypes against everyone else. So it's important for us to think about what those might be and to be mindful of how we engage with folks to not back, you know, to not bring those up. And of course, if people aren't going to value who we are and what we bring, they're not going to value it. So it's, it's being aware and not playing into it, but then obviously valuing what we bring and communicating it in a language that connects with them. Good communication means that we are considering and connecting to the other person in language that works for them, not because we're giving up who we are, but because we realize that good communication starts by considering the other person, what their style is, what their background is, and doing what we can to tell relatable, engaging stories that then help them see our qualifications because it's in a language that they understand. And that's our challenge when we're changing industries is to make those connections easy for people to help them quickly relate to our stories so that they can see us working within their organization, succeeding in the types of projects that they're struggling with right now. That's our goal. So hope you'll join us again next week. We'll have another great show. And if you have any thoughts on guests or ideas, topics that we should cover, please feel free to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.